You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have Alessandro Sussolini, Assistant Professor of Analytical Chemistry um, at the University of Campinas in Brazil. So, Alessandro, thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. And we're going to be talking about metabolomics. So, to start off, can you, um, what, what is metabolomics? What's a simple definition for people? As a simple definition, metabolomics involves the study of uh, the sets of all metabolites in an organism. Uh, these metabolites are compounds with low molecular mass that are involved in the metabolism, such as amino acids, sugars, lipids, and so on. And metabolomics aims to measure these metabolites uh, in an organism under a specific condition, for example, during uh, a disease or a treatment, and many other aspects. Okay, so um, my metabolomics, for instance, uh, it's all the metabolites that my body produces when I consume food or breathe oxygen. Is that is that what it is? Yes, metabolomics. Uh, the metabolome actually reflects what's going on in your organism. For example, if you have uh, a disease, it, your metabolome will be affected. Or if you take any drug or um, consider also your diet, your metabolome will also change. It's like uh, metabolome, we can say, is like a molecular phenotype. It's like a picture, a picture reflecting what's going on with you during a, a specific time and specific conditions. Okay. Um, since uh, a lot of biological processes are multi-step, how do you know if, uh, like, I don't know, the, uh, the Krebs cycle, let's say, or, you know, any, any cycle in my body, what if I have, like, five steps to a process and I produce different metabolites at each step? Like, is all of that studyable? Is that my metabolome or only the last compound that ends up being the uh, final one? Yes, uh, metabolomics is a bit different from other omics, uh, like transcriptomics, for example, because uh, you cannot um, predict which metabolites will be produced uh, from the genome, for example. So you cannot compute that because metabolites are uh, end products from the cellular metabolism, but also they can act in different aspects, so, such as uh, protein activity, and, and so on. So it is all around. So it's not just uh, encrypted by the genes. Well, if you're studying a bacteria that's um, producing something and you, uh, I don't know, I guess, like, well, first of all, how do you identify what metabolites 
an organism will uh, produce? Like literally, what are the lab? When uh, we what, talk what are you doing in the lab to study this stuff? Yeah, when we talk about metabolomics, we are always comparing two conditions. So we can see, for example, we if we compare a person uh, with uh, some disease with another person not disease. So we are going to compare their metabolites and see what's changing. So it is impossible to have, for example, the measurement of all metabolites in your body. What is important in, in metabolomics is to know which metabolites are changing due it to a biological process. That's the main uh, focus of metabolomics, these comparisons. So uh, by doing these comparisons of these metabolite panels, we can see which metabolites are uh, altered due to a biological process. And then we can investigate uh, the pathways where these metabolites uh, are involved. And then we can uh, make uh, like some uh, propositions about the mechanisms of this biological process going on. But how do you study metabolites? Like, let's say you have a E. coli bacteria and you want to study how it uh, produces something or consumes some other you know, chemical or food. What do you do? Do you grind up the whole bacteria and you know, burn it up and put it through a gas chromatograph? Or how do you find out what it's producing? So uh, how to measure the metabolites? You want to know that? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. So uh, you have many options to do that, to investigate this metabolome. The most used uh, techniques are mass spectrometry, usually coupled to a chromatographic technique, such as gas chromatography or liquid chromatography, and also nuclear magnetic resonance. So these are the main analytical techniques that are, that are used to, to measure the metabolites in the most different samples. Okay. Um, if there's a process that goes on that produces, you know, over, um, let's say over 20 seconds, a, a chemical process in an organism produces different types of metabolites as it progresses, do you ever try to measure an organism, you know, every, every second, in a, you know, for 20 seconds, let's say, and see if it's the metabolites are changing at each second? Have you tried something like that? Is that even possible? Is it, is it possible, but usually in the, in the normal metabolomics workflow, what we do is like a freeze time. For example, we do a, like a, we call a metabolic quenching. So, for example, if we take a sample from a patient, like blood from a patient, first step is to freeze uh, time. For example, like uh, putting on extremely low temperature, so we stop the metabolism and we measure at that time point. So this is the conventional metabolomics workflow. It's not like um, a kinetics experiment. We just look at the metabolome at that time point, normally. Okay. So what, what kind of research and work are you doing specifically? What are you working on right now? Okay, uh, right now, my research group, we use uh, metabolomics and also other omics techniques to investigate biomarkers for psychiatric diseases, more specifically bipolar disorder and depression. What kind of biomarkers are associated with those disorders? Have you found any? So we have found some uh, interesting uh, biomarkers. So we are in the phase of validating. But the most important uh, molecules already 
connected to bipolar disorder, for example, are proteins related to the lipid metabolism and glycerophospholipids. So these are the main findings we have till now, uh, because bipolar disorder is a quite complex disease. So it's not uh, an easy text to, to have it diagnosed. And the mechanisms of uh, the progression of this disease is also very challenging. So we have found some clues about what's going on with a patient with this disease. So these clues are important because uh, it can help the physicians to diagnose a patient because usually the diagnosis for psychiatric diseases is only clinical, right? So you don't have like a blood test for it. So that's interesting to have these markers to help the physicians to make a more precise diagnosis. So what are some of the specific markers that you found and what conditions do they appear to correlate with? Sorry, can you repeat? Oh, what biomarkers? Yeah, what what biomarkers have you found specifically, and what conditions do they appear to correlate with? So uh, the conditions. What do you mean about these conditions? About when I compare a patient with a disease with a control person? Yeah, like if I have uh, schizophrenia, uh -huh. are there specific biomarkers that you found for schizophrenics, or if I just have depression or if I have uh, if I'm psychotic do you have you know what what specific biomarkers have you found and for what conditions okay so uh, most specifically for bipolar disorder we have found this uh, glycerophospholipids and proteins related to the lipid metabolism so it's not only one biomarker we can define for each one of these diseases so usually what we have are biomarker panels so we can see different molecules that, that are being altered during to, to the disease. So that's uh, what we define as this biomarker panel. So we have some uh, classes of molecules that are being altered. And now uh, we need to validate these molecules we found to uh, have more specific ones. So we have like a proper characterization of them. Because for exploratory studies, we first have this uh, overview. We have this uh, biological molecules, uh, the classes of these biological molecules. And then we go further with the validation and the quantification of the biomarkers to define panels. So until now, we are doing these exploratory studies. We don't have definitive biomarkers yet because it is a very long process to have all these analyses and validations. So the next step after these validations, so we can say, okay, we found this, this, and that biomarker for each disease. So it is like a complex way going on. But what does it tell you that you see phospholipids? You know, in bipolar disorder, what is that? What is that hinting at? That what's going on? So we can see that the lipid metabolism is really affected by this disease. So um, many authors even suggest, uh, like, um, a dietary reposition of omega three or six fatty acids uh, together with uh, other lipids. So, so these are some studies made in the past. And uh, these findings we, we are having, like, confirm that there is, um, like, a dysregulation in this lipid metabolism. Oh, okay. I don't know if I explained it properly. 
Yeah, well, okay. So in bipolar, people with bipolar disorder, it appears that they have an irregular lipid metabolism. So is it overactive or underactive? Or are they producing lipids not, not commonly seen? Like what are some specifics of what you're seeing? So about specificity, I cannot tell you yet because we are in the validation phase. That's one issue. And uh, usually what happens is that most of these lipids are uh, down-regulated. Down so they have a decrease in their concentration, their relative concentration. Any other conditions that you've looked at in addition to bipolar disorder? We are now starting studying uh, treatment-resistant depression. And uh, for that, we are not only for the comparison of controls, and diseased, but also we are uh, doing some studies with alternative treatments with a psychedelic called ayahuasca uh, because it is very interesting here in Brazil because it is like a, a beverage that's been used by many years for the, the people in the Amazon region. And now right. we have some interesting studies that are relating the use of ayahuasca for treating depression. Uh, just after a single dose of ayahuasca, uh, the patient has uh, it feel he, the patient feels the antidepressant effects up for 14 days after the intake. So uh, this is very interesting, and now we want to see it at the molecular level what's going on because we have uh, the results from the the psychologists. They are very exciting, and now we are using the metabolomics tools to understand what's going on with the, the biology of these patients taking ayahuasca as a potential antidepressant. So this is another field of study at my group right now. Is ayahuasca effective for uh, medication-resistant depression? Yes. We have this study in collaboration with some researchers from the University of Rio Grande do Norte here in Brazil. And they made this study already with the patients. These patients uh, did not respond well to conventional medications. So these patients were selected and uh, a study was performed and uh, some patients received ayahuasca and other patients received placebo. And for the patients that received ayahuasca, uh, they presented these antidepressant effects up for these 14 days after the, the intake of a single dose. So this is really interesting, and that's what uh, that's why we are employing metabolomics to understand better what's going on with these patients, because we know that in terms of uh, the psychological evaluation, they get better. But we want to see in terms of metabolism, what's going on. Any clues as to what is going on? Even though your data hasn't been validated yet, you know, the, the reduced concentration of certain phospholipids in bipolar disorder, what does that tell you maybe going on? So uh, this shows like a dysregulation in the, in the organism. So that's why uh, the person might develop the disease. So uh, this is important. Why? Because it can help to, to have like a picture of uh, what's going on and the physician can say that uh, if these lipids are dysregulated in their organism, so uh, something can, can be predicted like for the progression of the disease and so on. So um, I don't know if this is 
So how long of a path will it will it be uh, to validation? How long will it take you to uh, validate? And what do you think that uh, you may find? So this validation, yes, this validation step uh, takes a lot of time because we need to find another sample sets from different places. So it is like a long-term study. We have been studying bipolar disorder in my group for five years already, and I believe we have still a lot of work ahead. So it's not so easy to determine this, this and validate the biomarkers. So uh, initially we did these exploratory studies. We have now some clues of what's going on, some hints. So we are now going to focus on these lipids that appear to be more important to, to the disease, to the mechanism of the disease. So this takes a long time. It's like a work for more five years or, or even longer. Were you, were you surprised that you found, you know, uh, different phospholipids, different metabolites based on a condition such as uh, bipolar disorder? Yes, it is interesting because um, many people think that uh, psychiatric disorder are just uh, related to the psychological uh, uh, side, so they don't believe it, it has like molecular implications. So this is really important to show that uh, the biochemistry of the body is completely changing after, uh, with a psychiatric disease. So it's not just a psychological condition. So this is interesting. This is one point that is interesting to, to stress out in these studies. And um, these dysregulations, when we can find out where they are, so it's easier then to target uh, new, um, like to point out, point out new targets for uh, drug development. So this is another interesting point. So when we see uh, which pathways are altered in uh, due to a disease, so we can uh, see what targets can be uh, stressed out when developing new drugs. In which pathways these drugs may act. You. Um... Have you dealt with uh, any of the microbiome? You know, when you're looking at the uh, metabolomics, have you ever found any strange results? And perhaps those results came from the microbiome of the area that you were sampling? Yes, it might be due to the microbiome or maybe due to, to diet or environmental factors. These are all uh, things we need to consider when we are doing a metabolomics study because we also have all, all these uh, variables that might influence on the, the results. So that's why we need to work always with large sample sets so uh, we can uh, try to avoid these variabilities, like the effect of these variabilities that should be minimal in comparison with the variabilities caused by the disease, for example. Okay. So what's uh, the next few years are just going to be validating what you're doing or are there new areas that you're working on? Yeah, the new area is that one I mentioned before for studying uh, ayahuasca as an antidepressant. And this is the uh, new study now of my group. And for bipolar disorder, we are still working on the validation. And uh, of course, another interesting field we are exploring is to integrate uh, multiomics data. So we are now just acquiring uh, data not only from metabolomics but from 
for other homing sciences such as proteomics and metalomics. So we are now working on the bioinformatics fields to integrate this data and have, um, yes, to have more uh, definitions about what's going on with uh, the diseases. So this is another uh, field we are looking forward to, to work with. Okay, with ayahuasca, what's the legal status of it in Brazil? Is it allowable to be used only by the Amazonian tribes or is it usable by everybody? It can be used by everybody, everybody in a ritual context. So, uh, and also for research. So we have uh, this law that allows uh, any people, not only the tribes in Amazon, to use the ayahuasca in this ritual context and for research is also legalized. So uh, it is a very good opportunity for us in Brazil to work with ayahuasca. Okay, well, very good. What do you think is possible to figure out in the next couple of years? What are some of the big breakthroughs that you think will happen? You mean for metabolomics in general? Yeah, metabolomics in general and your research, yes. Well, uh, in terms of uh, the research from my, my group, uh, we are improving our uh, exploratory studies. This is the first step. We are looking uh, to work with this um, multi-omics strategies as well to improve uh, the knowledge concerning the mechanisms of the diseases we are working with, especially bipolar disorder in depression, as I mentioned before. And uh, in terms of metabolomics, uh, an interesting thing that um, we are trying to work with is developing faster uh, types of uh, analysis because it is not easy to, to have these uh, mass spectrometries uh, available and the uh, analysis take a long time. And also the data treatment workflows, we are also working in improving to make it faster and uh, thinking that more people can have access to, to obtain these uh, metabolomic profiles and these metabolomic profiles can help the, the physicians to diagnose or predict diseases or propose treatments more effective, more effective based on the response of the patient, like in the context of uh, personalized medicine. So this is what we think should be the future of this area. How long does it take to uh, figure out the metabolomics of a given chemical process? Is it a very difficult procedure? Does it take a while? You mean to, to define a metabolomics study? Is it expensive? Does it take a long time or is it very quick? Like what are the no. economics of it? Okay, so uh, metabolomics experiments are very expensive because they rely on mass spectrometry or NMR, so they are expensive analytical techniques. Uh, the analysis of each sample depends on what uh, analytical platform you choose, but usually, let's say, about uh, 20 minutes per sample. But for a whole metabolomics study, you need to have like a control condition, a test condition. You need to have all the quality controls of your uh, analysis. So it takes many days to be finished. And the data treatment is also very challenging because it involves uh, multivariate statistic tools. And for the identification of these metabolites is also uh, very challenging because we need, we rely on database searches. 
So uh, it's not like a quick um, study right now. So that's why we are trying to to develop other techniques or simpler or cheaper to access the, the metabolomina in an easiest way. So this might be the future. And this is what we are trying to test right now with us, uh, techniques that are more simple, like, for example, infrared spectroscopy. So this is another field we are looking for. It's not like um, a detailed uh, metabolome profile that we can obtain with this technique, like, for example, with uh, mass spectrometry, but for a general profiling, like a fingerprinting of uh, a biological condition, it might be helpful. So this is another uh, interesting thing to, to be studied in metabolomics. Okay, well, very good. So what, what's the best way for people to uh, get in touch with your lab or ask you questions? So I have my uh, email address, so it's easy to contact me. I can uh, send you. Uh, and, uh, well, I'm, I'm available to, to ask any further questions. I think email is the best way, the easiest way right now. Okay. okay. Well, very good. Well, Alessandra, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.